0: You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast, and I'm your host, Lucy Dickens. Today, I am joined by Kim Trager, who is the Chief Operating Officer at McCullough-Robertson. I was introduced to Kim by Milan Gandhi, who you may know as the founder of The Legal Forecast. And he told me in no uncertain terms that Kim was somebody who I absolutely needed to talk to on the podcast. And he was absolutely right. Kim has worked at McCullough Robertson for more than 10 years, and she has really been a huge driver of change in the organization. She's implemented innovation projects and driven some cultural change that I think, from what I can tell, has really gone to the heart of the way the firm operates. One of the things I love about doing these interviews is discovering and getting to know some really amazing people in the profession who are leading the way for the rest of us. And I also love, and one thing that really shines through in this interview, is how many similarities there are between legal innovation in big firms like McCullough-Robertson that has 400 staff and smaller firms like mine that has 15. I know that there is so much we can learn from each other by talking about and sharing what's worked and what hasn't. Um, And you'll hear me several times in this interview get excited when Kim shares an example that she's seen in her firm that I have seen almost the exact same thing of in our firm. And that to me just kind of touches the tip of the iceberg in terms of how much we can learn from each other and how much we can support each other, even though we are working in different firms and maybe in different states, as Kim and I are, with different practice areas, different sizes, different people, there is so much that we can learn from each other just by sharing our stories. It just got me excited, reminded me how much I love doing these interviews and how much I love learning from all the people who I speak to. So, I'm sure you'll feel the same way when you hear Kim talk about some of the innovation that she has implemented at McCullough Robertson, talking about what innovation means anyway and how her views on that have changed over the years, and some examples of some of the things that she has, some of the projects and initiatives that she's led at the firm. Enjoy. Hello, Kim. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks Lucy, thanks for having me.
0: You are very welcome. I wanted to start with you by asking you to give us a bit of an introduction to you and to the firm. Maybe firstly you can tell us a bit about McCullough-Robertson as a, just an, a brief introduction and then about your role and what you do there.
1: Sure, so McCullough-Robertson is a law firm, a mid-tier law firm that is probably around 400 staff and we have offices headquartered and originally in Brisbane and then we have a uh, significant presence in Sydney and then uh, also offices in Newcastle, Canberra and um, Melbourne.
0: Yeah and it, it's a pretty big firm. I was doing some research as any good interviewer does <laughs> about your firm last night and I saw the 400 people and it kind of made me smile because when we were talking about this interview beforehand and you told me a bit about your role I said your role sounds very similar to mine but on like a massive scale because the firm I work in has about 13 people. And you're doing similar kind of work, but for 400 people, which is cool. Yes. To me, it's like, wow, it's like, you know, like this massive, what I do, but on huge scale, and it excites me. So tell us a bit about your role and what you do there.
1: I grew up at McCullough-Robertson. I came here um, when I finished uni as a grad and uh, started in the commercial and tax team and spent about 15 years as a lawyer in that team and um, worked my way up to special counsel. I then tried to continue working as a commercial lawyer when I had my children and worked part-time and there was no technology and that was really very difficult. So I moved into a knowledge management role at the time Just because I had had history doing that sort of thing before and knew the benefits of um, automated precedence and all those sorts of things. I then took on a bit of a a risk management focus as well and started looking at process redesign and uh, looking at systems and integration of systems and that sort of thing. And then uh, having worked on a whole range of different projects through through that role, I then took on the Chief Operating Officer role probably officially about five years ago. And so now I have responsibility for all of the support sort of functions around IT and uh, business development and finance and those sorts of things, but but also get to do some cool stuff like drive innovation and look after the community program and sustainability and those sorts of things. So it's quite a broad, broad role now. Um, and I think... Uh, the benefit of it is that having been here a long time, um, I know all the different bits and all the different people who can make things happen and we'll pull them all together to to sort of deliver outcomes and um, and change, which is exciting.
0: Yeah, I can see that in some of the examples that we're going to talk about soon, but how you, having such knowledge and understanding of how the business operates in lots of different areas, I can really see the value in that in terms of pulling all that together with some of this innovation work. Um you told me a really interesting story about your views on innovation and when you kind of had a penny drop moment, I guess, where your views changed on that. I'd like you to retell that story for the benefit of our listeners because I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, so as I said, I had experience doing automation of documents and we had had uh, various sort of diversified businesses and other things back in the early days before people talked about it or talked about innovation as a word. And, And so to me, a lot of that, just made sense. That was just business sense to be as efficient as you could be. And certainly when I was working part-time and I had small children, the automation of some of the tax structuring documents and those sorts of things, which meant that I could produce something in 20 minutes rather than eight hours, was just fundamental to be to me being able to get out of the office and to get home to pick up my children so there was a whole range of benefits in that and I guess when innovation became a buzzword I was really trying to understand what that meant because there was lots of rhetoric about it and lots of articles and it was core to the future of law firms and all those sorts of things but and I imagine that it must be something amazing like an iPhone for a law firm or and I couldn't really envisage what that might be and even business model innovation and all those sorts of things I was like oh does that mean you know Well, there's partnerships and then there's, you know, incorporated practices, but what what else could there be and what, what would that mean? So we actually had some help from a professor at the UK Business School, Tim Castell, and he came in and said, well, my definition of innovation is executing new ideas to create value. And I was like, okay, I get that. And then he talked about McKinsey's Three Horizons and a portfolio of innovation projects. So he said the first 70% is basically improving how you deliver existing services to existing clients. The next 20% is new services to existing clients or existing services to new clients. And then there's that 10% on the end, which is sort of the new service to a new client. So that's kind of the, the iPhone for a law firm, if you like, or a diversified business, completely unrelated. And so I was quite happy about that because it meant that all the things that we'd been doing were actually innovation and part Mm -hmm. of this big portfolio. So that really was a, a light bulb moment for me. And I guess the other part is that it becomes very easy to describe then innovation as an idea that, you know, it doesn't have to be super complex or take two years. It can be something really simple that creates value that is a change. And even stopping doing something that has no purpose, creates value for the organisation because it creates efficiency.
0: Yeah, I liked that story about how your view about innovation changed because I can really relate to it. I remember sitting in conferences a few years, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so, hearing people talk about these huge innovations at their firm and I remember saying to my colleague, how is this innovative? We've been doing this for years. I don't get it. Where's the big change? Where's the radical new idea This isn't special. We've done, you know, we've been doing this for twenty years. It's I don't understand. So I think I might have been coming from a similar perspective to you. And now I guess my thinking has evolved more to, well, if it makes an improvement for you and for your clients, it can be innovative for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be innovative in my business. It we we can kind of make that own decision ourselves.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it will be very different, um, you know, across every, and even within practice areas, I find what is, depending on where they're at in their innovation journey or their, you know, evolution journey, something can have a really big impact in one team and not so much of an impact in another team, really just depending on what stage they're at.
0: Yeah, exactly. So who am I to tell you that your idea is not innovative? So I've moved on from that, but I was in that mindset for a while, I will admit, because maybe there are others who are kind of in a similar place. Anyway, so that's kind of how your views about innovation have changed over the years. Can you give us some examples of some of the projects you've worked on at McCullough robertson since then with this new kind of view about innovation?
1: Yeah, so as I said before, I mean, it ranges from simple things like One end of the spectrum would be stopping doing something that adds no value. An example of that is we used to capture... Um, the reasons for a write-off in our financial system and we overhauled it and we put a whole lot of reasons that we wanted to you know that made sense that we wanted to capture and then we said to everyone please select the right you know the the (laughs) reason and we're going to do this analysis on it it's going to be great and what we found was when we when we pulled some of the data out that we had 95% of our matters it was um, we'd gone over a fixed fee and we couldn't change the um, estimate and I was like really? We don't have that many fixed fee matters in the firm. So we said to everyone, you know, can you just make sure that you're really choosing the the right thing that reflects what you're what the reason is and they were like yeah yeah we'll do that and so then we only had you know 87 percent that were fixed fee and I'm going we still don't have that many fixed fee matters in the firm and what we discovered was people were just selecting the top drop down and so I was like this is nuts because we have this process that is a step that everyone has to do every time there's a write-off no one is doing it properly there is no value in this data um, let's just stop doing it yeah and everyone was like oh this is great yeah <laughs> you know That is one end of the spectrum, which is just, again, something that I think just makes sense to do rather than innovation, but apparently it is. (laughs) Right through to, you know, we have built recently something I've been, um, it's been in my mind for a long time, um, a whole platform. um, We call it Our Client Matters, and it is a collation of information about our clients and all of their matters and all of the information that we have about that client and their matters. So it pulls together, extracts information from all our different systems and puts it in a portal, which is all of the clients and their team and all the information we have um, about them, financial information, what their billing requirements are, their reporting requirements, uh, tenders, any other proposals that we've sent out to them on their matters, lots of different information to do with the matter's key documents, things you want to find, just notes that um, lawyers can put in there and saying, "Oh, this pricing went haywire because this happened or that happened or any of those things," and it actually collates all of this information that people just would not, either didn't know where to find or just found it too difficult to find. And we've now added other things to it. We've got we've built our own bring up system because we've gone through and been unable to find one that that works and suits what we need, and that's about to be launched. So there's been about three or four different phases of that, but you know, it brings, as I said, our risk registers and um, all sorts of things together, um, financial and other information in an easy to find format that is all about that client relationship. So that's really exciting to see that come to fruition from just an idea in my mind that this is insane that we have all this information, but we can't find it um, to bring it to life in one, one place. And it looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's so cool seeing ideas go from this How about we did this and then now you've built this whole platform, which is going to, by the sounds of it, probably be quite transformative in the way that you work with your clients, which is really cool. I was laughing at the beginning when you were giving the example of the write-off and requiring people to fill that in because I've just recently gone through something almost identical (sighs) in that we required anytime a new file was opened, we required the referral source for that client to be put in. And I don't know, some stupid number, I don't think it was 80% or something of our clients came from unknown because we had an unknown referral source. So if you've got an unknown (laughs) referral source, people are gonna pick it. It just makes the whole thing a waste of time. And you couldn't open a file without this field being filled, filled in. And I just scrapped it. I said, this none of this is meaningful. Why are we forcing people to spend time clicking a button and we can't use the information anyway because it's meaningless. I'd rather have less of it, fill it in if you know, and then that way we've got a smaller sample, but at least it's going to be accurate.
1: Absolutely.
0: And it's funny, I don't think of that as being innovative either, but you're right. It takes somebody to give it some thought and to think about it. It might be a ticker box or a minor thing, but you are the one who's actually applied your mind to it and said, this is silly, why are we doing this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing is you need a culture of uh, an ability to raise those things and then someone who cares enough about it who has authority to make the change or to, you know, approve the change, if you like. And if you don't have those things, then you're never going to know because generally the person who can approve the change can't see all those things that perhaps need to be improved. So, yeah, there's a few other elements to it as well, I think, to make it work.
0: Which leads me to an interesting idea or question, which is how do you encourage people to get interested in making things better and to recognise these small improvements and then actually want to do something about it?
1: Yeah, well, around the time that we had the HELP with the light bulb moment about what innovation is, we decided to do what we called an innovation jam. And so we basically crowdsourced the firm and we started off with a whole lot of technical questions around how can we improve improve client service and use technology to create a better experience and all those sorts of things. It's about seven or eight questions. And just before we were about to launch it, this might be a deterrent to some people. We need to be inclusive and, you know, because great ideas come from everywhere in the organisation. So let's put this other question question in there what's the dumbest thing we do and how can we fix it and we were inundated with responses to those questions and or to that question I should say about what's the dumbest thing we do because there were all sorts of different things that were raised from all parts of the organisation and I think a key part of the jam was that we then created a A committee, and not just a committee for the committee's sake, but a committee that um, had accountability for five separate project streams and a whole lot of ideas that we classified as just do-it ideas, which were essentially ideas that didn't cost a lot of money, no-brainer, just get on and get it done and move on. A bit like the write-off thing. Mm. And so the other projects were more significant. So around in communication amongst the firm internal, you know, comms, you know, we ended up with Yammer in that pricing and profitability. You know, there's a whole range of work done there. So those things were bigger and chunkier and harder and took longer, but the Just Do It ideas were things that could be done quite quickly and just made sense. But I think the key is that crowdsourcing the firm and then reporting back on all the things that we had actually implemented so people felt that they they were heard and that their idea was a good idea and that sort of validation. Um, So we did that and then we also continued the concept of the jam um, in an ideas portal and we've had about three or four different iterations of that. Um, And the questions now that we ask in our ideas portal for someone to put something in there encourage the person who's putting the idea in to test their idea a bit with some other people, to think about who it's going to benefit Um, to think about the outcome or what the solution might be, but what's really at the heart of the the problem that they're trying to solve. So incorporating concepts of sort of design thinking and some of those other things, you know, what benefit is this for the client or for the user, those sorts of things. So it's taken, um, you know, this was, um, the jam was 2015, I think, or 2014. So, you know, it's been some time, but I think, the continual delivery and involving people, I'm very big on get all the right people around the table, get all the input and then just, you know, make it happen. So when people are involved in that process, they buy into it more and then they're an advocate for change and then other people see that. So it's a combination of all of those things, I think. My new book,
0: It's Time to Do Law Differently, How to Reshape Your Firm and Regain Your Life is now available for pre-order, over on my website at lucydickens.com.au forward slash book. The book is written for leaders of small law firms who want to reshape the way they do business, but are really stuck on what to do and how to do it. And so I provide a six step blueprint that will help you to transform your firm. The book will be officially published in mid-November, but if you want to be the first to get your hands on a signed copy, then grab yours at lucydickens.com.au forward slash book. I'm sure it helps that you're so excited about it, and I'm sure there are others on your team who are as well, because that helps to motivate people. And I think that's one of the reasons why I especially love your just do it idea, because often people will come with an idea, and I've done this, I'm guilty of this, and that's a really good idea, but I'm a bit busy right now. We'll worry about that some other time. And then it kind of drops off the list or it's, you know, you come back to them, but now they're a bit busy. And so it's kind of, let's just not bother. Whereas with your just do it ideas, it's almost giving them permission and like, yes, this is a really good idea. Let's just do it. I think it's really cool. Can you give us some examples of some of those things that fell into that category?
1: So one of the probably most unusual or one things that are most popular with the staff, we had a concept of a healthy day. So rather than a sick day or a personal leave day, um, for people who had, you know, several, a fair bit of leave built up, it was 20 days, we can take four days a year as healthy days just to have some time out to sort of maintain your health rather than to then drive yourself into the ground, get sick and then, you know, have to have the day off to recover from that. So that was something that the executive team was like, okay, well, if you've got people that have got lots of leave and we have lots of long-term staff here, you know, if you've got lots of leave built up, well, yeah, absolutely. Let's just do this, you know. So, there were things like that that were implemented, as I said, quite quickly that have stuck. And I think some of the other things were around just ease of, um, we at the time had an internal catering company and and so them getting an ATM facility instead of everyone having to have cash, you know, just, just yeah. the day-to-day stuff that was, you know, as so we said, yeah, let's just do that, you know. Yeah. So, lots of different things.
0: But they are, they are a lot of small things that make a big difference. You know, if your staff no longer have to go get cash out to buy their lunch, that's going to yeah. really mean quite a lot to them. But it's such an easy thing for you to say, someone to just say, tick, let's do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think the other part of this, Lucy, is that the with the, the light bulb innovation moment that came on was this concept of um, the discipline of innovation. And Tim Castell talks about this a lot and it seems like a bit of an oxymoron because you think innovation's all, you know, dreaming up some fantastic idea. But, in fact, because you need to execute that idea, that actually takes discipline and it takes discipline to keep all the ideas on the list Mm -hmm. and to actually make them happen Mm -hmm. and to roll something out and to communicate it and all those things. So it sounds, you know, and, yes, I am passionate about it, um, but there's a lot of hard work in what is essentially change management.
0: You're right. I'm preparing a presentation today. Actually, I'm working on this presentation that I will be giving probably about the time this interview comes out. And I'm talking about that exact thing. And my topic is the map for getting things done, because I've recognized that there's so many people with ideas and there's lots of ideas and really, really good ones. But the challenge I see is for people taking those ideas and making them happen because of, like you say, keeping them on the list and getting them done and finding the time and being dedicated and it is it's it is a discipline of actually remaining focused enough to actually make the stuff happen
1: yeah absolutely
0: one of the other things i wanted you to tell us about was your change makers program
1: yes yeah so i guess that is the other aspect of um Uh, The culture piece, I guess. Um, And we were fortunate to have um, Milan Gandhi, who was involved in setting up the legal forecast and is very um, passionate in this space. So he worked with us for a number of years until he took on a new role recently. And he helped us design a program essentially to engage our uh, younger lawyers around innovation, essentially. So teaching them about growth mindset and design thinking, coming up with ideas, obviously, you know, the the user centricity and client centricity of, of things being really critical, but also giving them an idea about the environment that we're in. So, in the context of a law firm, and how, what is the business of law, and how does that operate, and what's a partnership, and what's profitability, and why is that different to a company in terms of getting investment for innovation and ideas, and and then we've got, of course, the whole COVID overlay this year, and what's that? What that has meant for for everything. So, each team has come up with an idea. Which they are going to pitch to a, a panel of judges. We've had a whole series of external panels and speakers. So, what corporates can learn from startups. We have a, a big practice in the startup space. So we've had a range of people who are who are very big in that entrepreneurial space come in um, and talk to them and, um, and test their ideas with them and that sort of thing. They're going through pitch coaching at the moment and then they'll pitch their ideas to a panel in another month or so and basically be certified sort of in this in this program. And it's really fascinating because some of the ideas that they've come up with are sort of other elements of the Our Client Matters portal that I talked about before or different pain points from a client's perspective. Some things, uh, one of them is a new business idea. It's something that we toyed with and decided not to proceed with about eight years ago. So you never know, that might come back on the on the agenda. Yeah. Interestingly, one of the key platforms that they need is this new bring-up system, which we're like, well, here's one of these we're about to roll out. So that's exciting. So it's really taking those younger lawyers who are still learning yeah. about the business of law and teaching them about the key elements of innovation within a business context, not just legal, but with a bit of external and then, you know, getting them to say, you know, okay, you've got all these great ideas, let's hear one and, uh, and seeing where they go.
0: Yeah, it sounds so exciting. I love it. What kind of response have you had from your staff?
1: Yeah, well, there was uh, lots of, uh, we've got, I think our cohort is, it's, a, it's, it's quite small deliberately. So we've kept it at sort of 10 or 12 people so they can have these sort of smaller teams and we're sort of coaching them um, through that. Uh, there were more people interested um, in the beginning. And um, so we'll probably, we'll run another one next year and certainly their peers are very interested to see sort of, you know, what happens and to hear hear about the ideas. Of course, part of the concept of having an idea they want to take forward is to test it with everyone in the firm, you know, uh, different levels and that sort of thing. So that's generated interest as well, which is great. And generally the people that apply for that sort of a, um, a course are passionate anyway and driven. So it's been really interesting. It's so rewarding to see the light bulb go on about certain things or, you know, they come with an idea and then I ask them a few questions about, well, you know, hang on, what you're talking about is a portal to do something we already do now, but you can't get people to do that now. So why is a portal going to make any difference? So I really enjoy that that sort of um, uh, learning and, and, you know, seeing seeing people's eyes be opened up and, and grow.
0: Yeah. I laughed at the portal because it's another one that I've experienced. See, I said at the beginning, you're me, but on scale. <laughs> that's another one I've seen people, We you know, can we have this online portal for our clients to log on and look at, okay, what are they going to look at? They're going to look at all their documents. Do you really think your clients want to log in, have a special login detail for a portal where they can log in and look at all their documents that they already own because they sent
1: them to you? Not so
0: sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's- and I
1: think... It varies, doesn't it? Because I think, um, you know, there are some clients who who I know, you know, who have no kind of knowledge management or document management and people who've gone, who are in-house lawyers at organisations like, you know, mining companies and those sorts of things where there is none of that structure and their lawyers go in there from law firm and they go, oh, my goodness, I can't find anything. What is this? You know, so someone like that would think, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. But it's certainly not a thing. Yeah, there'd be lots of other people who'd be like, what? Why would I want that? So, you know, that that's very much about testing testing the idea and the appetite, you know, refining what it is that they need and, of course, not jumping to the fact that it's a portal as the solution because it could be something quite different that that actually will get you there without, you know, building a whole lot of IT infrastructure. So
0: Yeah, definitely. You've spoken about testing a few times in this conversation. It's come up in a few different ways. How do you, and I'm sure there might be a few different answers to this, but just generally speaking, how do you test your ideas or get your staff to test ideas?
1: Probably, as you say, there's a range of different ways of doing it. Sometimes we have uh, a forum, so we'll get you know people in a room. Some it, it varies probably on the size of those as to what that is. Sometimes, if it's client related, we will talk to clients. Generally, people are very generous with their time. I think a lot of it is there are several people like me who have been at the firm for a long time, um, and some who also have a legal background. So some of the things are basically corporate knowledge or memory from when I was a lawyer doing that in a chair. And so because it's been a little while, just validating that with someone to say, hey, would you use this or would you do this or those sorts of things? So it's really just talking to people and, and, you know, explaining to them what the idea is or the concept is and, you know, getting some input from them about whether, you know, oh yeah, that's great or you know what, it looks nice, but I wouldn't really use that because my real issue is this. Okay, well, let's solve that problem
0: yeah and then that helps you actually get to the root cause, right? Yeah. so what advice then would you give to somebody who wants to do law differently?
1: Um, I think it depends on your on your role in the organization and who you're trying to um, engage to come on your journey because it's um, it, if you work in an organization, you need people on the journey otherwise. You, you know, you're not you're not really going to achieve very much or get very far. Um, the difficulty is that lawyers, and I can say this because I am one, um, you know, have uh, are very risk averse, and they're taught to pick holes in everything. And so, um, I think having a bit of resilience and an awareness of of that and who your audience is and what you're trying to do is really important. Otherwise, you can get deflated quite easily. I think that um, so probably trying to find. Things that give you energy is really important to continue on with. Otherwise, again, it's it's hard to keep going and drive change um, if you if you're constantly not focused on on the things that give you energy. The other thing I think is that understanding that there is that discipline part and the boring part to actually creating anything new and exciting it's not just the new and shiny and really just to have some resilience and just keep going because you know the outcome can be fantastic and part of that is how you go about it as you said before being in a team and and getting a whole you know getting others on board to come up with a solution together and for people to you know be able to rely on each other and test things with each other and then deliver an outcome that's much more rewarding than doing something on your own I find.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Me too. I much prefer working with other people and bringing the idea to life and collaborating and it's all good fun. I really like that you mentioned that discipline point again, because it can be really easy to get excited when we're talking about innovation and you're doing innovation jams and you are just do it. And there's kind of like this high energy with the a lot of the things that you're doing. I really like that you've reminded us that just remember that there's a little bit of it that might be a bit dull and requires a lot of discipline, like you say, and focus. And it's not all that let's do a design thinking workshop, you know, that you actually have to make the ideas happen as well as come up with the cool ideas. So I think that's a really, really valuable piece of advice that you've left us with.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think also if you don't do that and you don't make something happen, then people lose faith in the journey that you're trying to take them on. So you can undo a whole lot of the enthusiasm and goodwill pretty easily. So yeah, it's important. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about the show and I love hearing what you think. Otherwise, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, send me a message and let me know. You can find all the past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.